What? No, no, no. Shut it down. Nope, stop it. This is terrible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is more like it. Here we go. We're the kids in America. We're the kids in America. We're the kids in America. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Digimon Digital Moncast. I'm Joel, and I'm coming to you with a live report uh, straight from the exclusive showing of the uh, English dub of Digimon Adventure Try Part 1. Yeah, I just got out of the theater about 20 minutes ago, um, recorded some brief impressions on a voice recorder while driving home. Obviously, that was not at all dangerous because I made it home safely. Um, might use some of that audio, but probably not. It was pretty unfocused. Yeah, I guess we'll see how this goes. I've never really recorded anything just by myself before with no one to, you know, bounce ideas off of. It's way different. Kind of tough. But, um, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Uh, I'm not going to do a, like a full plot synopsis of this like we normally do on the show. Uh, one, because it's like an hour and a half long and that would be ridiculous, especially solo. And partly because, like, I'd. Obviously, I don't have it in front of me. I could pull up the subs on like Crunchyroll and kind of follow along that way, but I really don't want to spend that much time on it. Plus, I mean, we've talked about it a bit before. You kind of know the whole synopsis of it, and I mean, if you don't, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. This wasn't sponsored by Crunchyroll or anything. It's just where it's easily watchable. Yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um... General thoughts, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, There's a lot of stuff that didn't surprise me, a few things that did. Um, I think what was probably most remarkable was just how much it was like the old show in the right sorts of ways. I mean, obviously it looks way better. Um, It has a well-plotted story, I guess? Like... I mean, there's not a ton of plot to this one. It sets things up a little bit and spends a ton of time just sort of spinning its wheels. But, like, it definitely follows more logic and gives you more to work with than an average episode of the show did. I mean, even the dialogue, I feel, is a lot better. Certainly not, you know, super urbane or anything, but it... I mean, it's good. Right, so most of the voice cast returned, and for the most part, it was fantastic um people pretty much sounded exactly like you remembered them uh, except for the ones who didn't um we kind of covered all the voice casting earlier on the show so um if you listen to that you're kind of up to speed and if not maybe go back and listen because i don't have a list in front of me and don't uh don't know all the details um i will say that most of the replacement voices were pretty noticeable um the person that got to do Kari sounds like she's doing a Kari impression, which I guess is kind of appreciated on one level, but it definitely, you know, it's one of those things where you can, where it's just similar enough to be familiar while being different enough to be distracting. But honestly, I mean, it kind of works. Kari's grown up quite a bit since the last time we saw her, and like you can kind of almost write it off as a, you know, a stylistic choice or, you know, it, you can you can make it make sense. Gabumon, on the other hand... Every once in a while, there's a little bit of hint of the breathiness quality that we all know and love from OG Gabumon, but most of the time, he is not nailing it. It's it's not good. God, Gabumon had one of the best voices, and, and this dub is just 
not his jam. Most of the Digivolve Digimon are still the same voices. It's it's just a couple of the rookies that are different. Uh, Biumon also uh, is different, and she she's not great either. She sounds way more... She kind of sounds like that phantom child from episode, what, 18, 19? Yeah, you know the one. But yeah, no, she sounds way more childlike than she did before, and she sounded kind of childlike before. Um, I'm not super big on it. But yeah, um, I mean, Gomamon's the same, Tentomon's the same, Patamon's the same, and that's really what matters, right? Uh, Animation-wise, it's, I mean, there's definitely still... I guess animation has come a long way since the original show, even even the cheap stuff. Um, a lot of the early parts of the movie, especially where, especially where they're kind of spinning their wheels, setting stuff up, um, still do kind of the same thing of having just whatever principal foreground characters moving and nothing happening in the background. But at least they go to the lengths of doing some animation for that foreground stuff. There wasn't, at least that I noticed, any egregious stuff like taking a static model and just dragging it around the screen to move it. Everything had multiple frames of animation. And, I mean, you could definitely tell they were conserving most of their budget for the actual action scenes, which I can't really blame them. That that worked out pretty well. Um, There was a few moments uh, where it really awkwardly would cut between art styles. Um, I'm not talking like, I mean, they're obviously the the like establishing shots where figures are kind of in the background and they're really low detail. That's not a problem. That's a stylistic choice. Everyone's pretty familiar with and it, it works in context. I'm thinking more um, one point they're on a Ferris wheel and for a while while they're talking, it cuts away to an exterior shot of the Ferris wheel and it's very clearly a cheap 3d model moving around and it looks nothing like anything that had been established previously. And there's stuff like that kind of throughout the movie and that's a little jarring, a little uh, took me out of it a little bit at times, but Considering how well it draws you in when they uh, throw the budget at it, I again, I can't really fault them for that. And, uh, well, speaking of where the budget went, let's, yeah, let's get into that a bit. So the first, I don't know, I wasn't really timing it, but it felt like about the first half hour maybe of the movie is oh, a lot of wasted time, let's be honest. Um, they spent a ton of time establishing what's going on in the lives of the Digidestined. And what's going on is not much. Ty has a big soccer game, Matt has a big band gig, and they're on the same day, oh no! They're both super desperate for, you know, everyone to come see them, support them, hang out with them, but neither one wants to admit it. Sora has a crisis where she's trying to balance both of them because she's a good friend. She has a great line at one point where she realizes, wait, why am I stressing out about all this? This is their problem. I just won't go to either. And I kind of wish it would have ended there because that's hilarious. But no, drama. Izzy's busy at fancy restaurants because he's apparently a rich businessman, even though they haven't really admitted that yet. Joe's busy failing at school. Apparently he's just terrible at studying, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he he's clearly the, was the smartest of the kids back in the day, and he works super hard. Hopefully they go into more of that in detail later and... I don't know, get into maybe how he sabotages himself by stressing out too hard or, you know, not having enough confidence in himself. We'll see. Uh, But he's basically not around, like, ever. Uh, Mimi is just completely missing for a while until they eventually let us know, oh, yeah, she's still in America. But, yeah, I mean, they... What I just said there in the last, like, minute and a half is pretty much all you need to know. They're just going to school, going about their normal stuff. Uh, It's been a while since any Digimon-related stuff's happened. 
and that's pretty much it. But they spend so long establishing this. They don't need to do that. We've got two seasons of a TV show and a movie to establish who these characters are, what their deal is. We've seen enough of their home life to kind of piece together what they're doing when they're not being digidestined. A nice brief overview of, you know, what's changed in their lives, how how are they different from the last time we saw them, what's going on. Establish it and you're done. Get in, And you can get into the meat of things. It, I felt like it was dragging a little bit. And things really did start to pick up once the Digimon started showing up. And I just wish that would have happened a little sooner. And speaking of Digimon showing up, things kick off with a rogue Kuwagamon flying around, which is pretty appropriate because Kuwagamon are douchebags. Again, it takes longer than it probably should have for anyone who knows what's going on to realize what's going on. And once they do, it takes even longer for any of the Digimon to actually show up to help. And then when they do, it's, well, it basically kicks off into what I would call a very masturbatory scene of everyone digivolving and well, kicking ass, really. And on the one hand, it it doesn't feel particularly driven. But on the other hand, I can't really blame them. I mean, it's, it is kind of a thing to celebrate. The show is back after so long, and they've got the budget now to actually do some cool fight animation. And, I mean, really, it's a fun scene, so that kind of justifies it itself, I want to say. Yeah, I guess um, this is as good a time as any to mention the soundtrack. So... I was a little worried about the soundtrack because the um, we got a preview of the new opening theme, which is terrible. And I was kind of worried they were going to do that with the rest of the show as well. But they didn't. They um, I'm going to guess that they used the same music as the original version. I didn't watch it, and I couldn't say for sure. Um, most of the background music just kind of sounds like super generic JRPG background music, really. It was like a town theme, a, a, uh, I don't know, a tech theme for when Izzy's explaining things. Um, some generic fight music for some of the battles and some of the you know intense moments or whatever. Um, yeah, not really, not really anything really standing out. But um, then when we get to the first Digivolution scene, man, they just went for it. They didn't even bother trying to put something new in. They just straight up used Braveheart. And God, I was so happy they did that. Because that song's fantastic, especially the uh, new version that they recorded for Try. It's just, oh, it's such a good song. And it's it was especially notable in that first big scene where everyone's fighting the Quagamon because they just let the entire thing play out throughout the entire scene. And as each Digimon gets their moment to Digivolve, like the sequence just breaks in with the uh, squealing guitar as the, as the Digivice comes on screen. And uh, it's just transitions right from the digivolve scene to an actual to the actual fighting with no break in the music and oh god it just works so good it's kind of a shame that the rest of the music didn't really hold up the track that plays when alphamon shows up is all right i guess but even even then like it it just feels so generic video game and i've heard enough of that already that that just doesn't do it for me anymore But yeah, really that I think would be my like number one review or takeaway of this part is it feels more than anything like just a celebration of Digimon as a thing and of establishing, hey, we're back. Check it out. Remember this. Isn't it freaking awesome? And for the most part, it really pulls that off. There's there's so little of the underlying plot that 
really matters or that really explains anything that it's almost not worth really getting too deep into it and i mean i'm okay with that there's multiple parts to come there's plenty of time for them to cover all of the plot from part two and what we've you know heard and seen of part three um it's pretty clear that they're going to be moving that forward rather quickly so i'm i'm not too worried about that and i'm not honestly too upset about that i do i as i kind of mentioned earlier i do feel like this episode had a bit of an issue with flow and that's going to be even more obvious when I get to the other big fight scene in a little bit. I feel like they could have either made it a little shorter and a little tighter, and that would have been fine. Like, I didn't get bored at any point during this, so there was a few times where I really was eager for it to start moving forward. But at the same time, I feel like they could have made it much more compelling by making it a little more compact. Um, what we did get, though, was some great moments for all the characters. Well, Great in a making the characters interesting sense, not always great in a fun development sense. Probably the biggest focus, um, obviously the biggest focus was Ty, and they actually did a pretty good job of showing Ty as growing up a little bit and maybe taking his role in all of this a little more serious. They were a little ham-fisted with it. Definitely went back to the same flashbacks too many times, like we get it. But yeah, his whole deal of being really worried about all the damage that was being caused and the possibility of there being casualties, which is honestly, they they made way more of a deal out of it in this uh, animated movie than they have in pretty much every summer blockbuster I've seen in the past 10 years, which was kind of refreshing. Aggressiveness of execution aside, maybe. Um, but what it, but it basically amounted to was Ty being scared to keep moving forward, which isn't the most unique of storylines. I mean, it's been done a million times, right? But, I mean, it was a good, it's a good evolution for Ty, whose whole thing in the show previously has kind of been being the bullheaded one who rushes in and makes rash decisions that aren't a very good idea usually and kind of just powers through out of sheer determination and idiocy. Um, so showing him actually trying to be more conscious of everything around him is great. And unfortunately, the way they decided to counter that in the story was by doubling down on Matt not having changed. In fact, if anything, he has gotten, he's been more of a fucking asshole than ever. Good lord, Matt. I get what they were going for, and at times they kind of were on the money, but god, he flips into, like, just pissy-ass anger mode at the drop of a hat and really never leaves it after that. The scene where they all meet and Ty is having his little crisis of conscience and Matt confronts him about it is absurd because he waits maybe three seconds for Ty to respond before just laying into him. Take a fucking chill pill, Matt. And the amount of anger in his voice, there is a fury in his voice that reminds me of nothing more than that one hot-headed friend you have at the beginning of a video game who turns out to have been evil all along and betrays you right at the end of the prologue. That is Matt in this, and it is so over-the-top absurd. Even after he apologizes and they act like they're trying to like work together and be, be friends, everything he says is just laced with the most venom possible to insert into a human voice it is unbelievable yeah um the rest of the characters were pretty great honestly um Sora was still didn't have a ton going on 
mostly she was just focused on her conflict of trying to mediate between Ty and Matt, which I assume has been her lot in life pretty much since the day she met either of them. And she seems pretty fed up with it, which I appreciate. But really, she doesn't get much other than that, and that sucks. Like, she's one of three girls on the team, and her really only driving plotline is having to manage the two lead males. And that's shitty. Honestly, Kari doesn't have a whole lot to do either. Like, she's being a sister to Ty and being a friend to TK, and that's pretty much it. Um, Mimi actually gets more than either of them, surprisingly enough. And, I mean, it's still not much, but she was in America, and it turns out she's moving back to Japan, and... She kind of takes initiative on, like, befriending the new kid. Surprise, surprise, the one non-original character that this episode focuses on at all is also a new Digi-Destined with that horrible new Digimon we've talked about. Yeah, no, Mimi actually kind of drives some of the group stuff, which I really appreciate because uh, she's got the same sort of bubbly Mimi personality she's always had, but without some of the oblivious self-centeredness that kind of defined her before. And I really appreciate that. Like, I, I really feel like she's grown as a character more than maybe a lot of the others. They lean really hard on the fact that Izzy has a huge crush on her and she doesn't really seem to be picking up on it. I don't think. Maybe she does and is teasing him, but I get the feeling it's more of... Just Mimi being Mimi and exasperating it out of just being who she is. Uh, Izzy is pretty much the same. Uh, super focused on what's going on more than really anyone around him. Uh, he didn't even realize Matt and Ty were fighting, which fucking hell, Izzy, really? Like, have they ever not been fighting? Seriously? Um, Joe is, as I think I previously mentioned, just kind of not around for most of it. He's super freaking out about his uh, entrance entrance exams for college, which understandably so. Like, that's kind of an important time in the life of somebody who's, like, into education at his age. And he's clearly not doing well, so it's understandable to stress. But Joe um, kind of realized that if bad Digimon destroy your city, there's probably not going to be a college for you to go to, right? Like, I'm sure if you help save the world, you can get an extension on those fucking exams. The worst part about Joe not being around means there was almost no Gomamon in this episode, and that's fucking criminal. Uh, fortunately, we get a few choice Tentomon lines. Um, we get a moment with um, Gatomon, Biomon, and Palmon hanging out with their respective partners who are teasing Sora about boys, and... They kind of try to play along without really understanding what they're actually talking about, which is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot else to say about the plot. I mean, there's there's something bad going on. There's a, some mysterious government people who've been monitoring stuff and clearly know more about what's going on than we do, and that's annoying. We get a little glimpse of TK's computer at one point, and it seems like he's involved with some sort of network of Digi-Destined across the world. Um, there's a map with showing some st- points marked out and an update about those Kuagamon that were flying around. So clearly there's some there's some uh, folks involved with those incidents from the, uh, you might remember from the movie, who are still trying to stay involved with all these events. But yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot, whole lot to this episode plot-wise. Uh, bad Digimon show up a couple of times, and the team gets together to fight them. So the first fight, obviously, was kind of just a Let's get back into this moment. Uh, everyone gets everyone gets to Digivolve except Gatomon, obviously. She's already champion. And unlike Season 2, they actually remember that she's a fucking boss on her own. Yeah, she was actually maybe my favorite part of that scene. She and Anjuman teamed up because, of course, they did. And uh, a couple shots of her just, like, riding up, hanging out on Anjuman's shoulder, and then just leaping down and destroying a fucking Kuagamon with her claws. It was, it was great. 
And um, yeah, everyone kind of got their moment to do something cool. Well, almost everyone. Uh, Mimi hadn't shown up at that point, and Joe was missing in action. So Palamon and Gomon had to sit out of that fight, which was kind of unfortunate. Although Palamon did at least get a chance to digivolve in the second fight and let out one of her patented overly called shots. So that was nice. And really, that's that's the fight that I should probably talk about since it's kind of the centerpiece of this whole episode. Right, so the Alpha and Omni. Boy, did they screw up that joke with the, the English uh, renaming of Omegamon. Yeah, so Alphamon, in sort of the, the climax of the movie, Alphamon shows up, who is this giant... I mean, let's face it, he's a fucking giant mech. I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong, he's cool, it's just... it's. It's kind of the most obvious way to go possible. Like, he's clearly designed to be a thing for Omnimon to fight. Like, that that seems to be his entire design. He's the fucking Dark Link. He shows up, and he's doing the whole I'm a giant mech thing, where he just kind of stands there ominously and shoots things, shoots beams. He uh, he wants to get the uh, new May May MacGuffin whatever person, and Digimon. And everyone shows up to stop him, but inexplicably only Digivolves to champion level, even though this thing is like 30 stories fucking high. And they try to hold him off with Digimon, who just get destroyed. There's The opening bits of that fight are brutal. He fucking chokeslams Bergeramon and Kabuterimon, and I actually kind of shouted in my seat because it was it was kind of visceral, which is really impressive for this show. So this is this is clearly a setup to show off Omnimon because I mean they're back and why wouldn't they? And going into it, I obviously I knew it because I mean let's let's face it, I've watched that scene multiple times on YouTube at this point, and I was kind of worried that that would have ruined it for me. But no, the moment was still great on screen. Uh, unfortunately, everything leading up to it wasn't so great. They rather than trying to make an organic scene in which they need Omnimon and they have to summon Omnimon. They literally open by Matt saying to Ty, Ty, we need Omnimon for this, which, I mean, on the one hand, fair enough, they've been through this a while, they're being pragmatic about it, I can appreciate that, but from a narrative standpoint, it just was not compelling. Like, it, it's showing up saying, hey, I'm going to do this really cool trick. This is the trick I'm going to do. Here, let me explain it to you in detail. Great, now I'm going to spend a bunch of time not doing it, then I'm going to do it. And that's pretty much what the scene was. It's super well animated. The bit where they actually become Omnimon, where it's just these quick cuts of them attacking Alphamon in their various digivolved forms, cutting away and cutting back to their next form each time was still awesome. They they called out their names every time it changed, which I feel actually kind of took away from it a little bit. The actual fight following that was kind of disappointing. I mean, in typical anime fashion, they spent more time setting up their cool attacks and actually attacking and fighting and i don't know i kind of would have liked to see a little more in uh the movie when omnimon shows up for the first time he kind of just shows up in rex shop but they really built up to that and earned that by having i mean all hope being lost and omnimon being this like last resort almost deus ex mancana him rising up from almost death and just like almost completely saving the day was fucking fantastic and in this, it's just kind of, hey, we need Omnimon. Hey, we got Omnimon. Hey, Omnimon won? Except he kind of didn't. Uh, Alphamon, like, used one of those weird portal things to backdash out away from the attack at the last moment, causing Omnimon to just kind of make a huge crater in wherever the hell they were fighting. Kind of for nothing. And I, I don't know if that was intention, like, intentional on Alphamon's part of, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to cause more damage and make everyone mad, or if he was just 
getting the fuck out. But either way, it really kind of played into the whole themes of the episode in a decent way. It's just, I don't know. I felt like that whole scene was completely lacking in the kind of buildup it needed to be super satisfying. And that's really disappointing because that was the big set piece of the episode. And it was very well done technically. So I just kind of wish that everything else surrounding it would have really backed that up nicely. Ah, oh, shit. What else? I mean, that, that kind of covers my broader impressions. Um, I know there's a million minor little details I thought of at the time, but I'm, those are probably going to have to wait for whenever this gets like a DVD release or online streaming release or whatever, and we can do a proper like segment-by-segment segment breakdown of it. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, that's kind of what this was for. It was just to give brief impressions. If you get a chance to see this in some fashion, I absolutely recommend it. It's, I mean, if there's anything about the original Digimon that you love or even just remember fondly, this is absolutely worth checking out because it trades on all of the stuff you'd loved and, or remember loving with so much more production value and like competency than you could have really asked for from the show. (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess I'll just close with a couple of uh, small comments about it. Um, they opened with, I think we mentioned this maybe when we first start, talked about Try on the show, but they opened with these brief, not at all explained shots of the season two cast, I don't know, getting blasted by something. I don't know. It just shows them kind of collapsing with their digivices floating. And I mean, that's just the, a perfect way to open it for somebody like me of saying, hey, hey, Remember season two? Yeah, forget about season two. Fuck season two. And, like, we know Ken's going to show up in part two, um, which is fine because Ken's the one really good part about season two, even though they're apparently making him evil again, it seems. Not so sure about that, but I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I'm kind of super worried that whatever they're hinting at there is going to end up being super pivotal for the plot, and the season two stuff is going to suddenly become really, really important in, like, part four. And that's going to suck if that's the case. But for now, um, yeah, they don't really even mention any of those guys. And it's exactly what I could have asked for. And final thoughts. Apparently everyone fucking involved at this show fucking forgot how to say goddamn Jedi. He only comes up in one scene, but they say fucking Genai like eight times in a row. And it drove me Fucking nuts. I don't care if maybe that's the way it was supposed to have been said from the start. I doubt it because I'm pretty sure Jedi is a play on Jedi because he's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. And maybe they wanted to avoid that comparison. But still, you don't fucking spend all this time reminding us of the show, doing all these things to call back to it, and then get a fucking character's name that goddamn wrong. It's Jedi, like the opposite of GIF. Get it right. It's not that hard. Anyway, with that little rant and a little piece of controversy for everyone to fight over now, um, I guess I'm going to sign off for now. Um, Hopefully there will be a uh, second one of these coming in the near future. I mean, they pulled this one off in a matter of like a month. So, I mean, there's really no excuse to them not getting part two out in like three weeks, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. See you soon.